listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. So let's jump into this today. Um, I want to give you these three uh, secrets I've learned from world changers. They're disciplines. I might uh, give you a bonus as well because one popped into my spirit as I was talking here at the beginning um, that without question is important. So we're going to talk about that as well. If you didn't get a chance to share it, take a minute to do so. Get a pen, get some paper, pull up a notes app on your phone unless you're watching the broadcast on your phone. Get ready to take some notes because I want to show you some things today that are going to really, really help you. You know, one of the things that I always like to do is I love feedback. I love data. I love analytics. I like to know what's working. I like to know what's not working. Um, you know, for for the websites that we have and things like that. I love to look at um, Google Analytics to see what are people looking at. Which pages of the website are they going to the most? How much time are they spending on the website? What are they doing on the website? I love having all that feedback and that data that explains what someone's doing and maybe why they're doing it. Um, I don't like to do things that I, I can't get any feedback from. So for example, it's great to be able to advertise things with social media ads and boosts because they give you every piece of data who saw your ads, you know, how long they looked at them, if they clicked them, how old they were, where they lived, all those things. If you do a print ad or send out a postcard or rent a billboard or do something on television, you don't get any of that information. I like having feedback and data. Um, if I do something, right, let's say when I was writing further faster, when I was writing this book, you know, anytime I'm writing anything, I will finish um chapters or sections and I'll email them to multiple people and I'll say, Hey, listen, I wrote some new chapters on the book. Would you mind reading them? And then giving me some feedback. And what I normally ask is what do you not like about this? What do you hate about this? What was not uh, easily understood? You know, I, I like to ask those questions. The reason is when you ask those kinds of questions and you're looking for that kind of feedback, that kind of data, it actually helps you to become better at what you're doing. It doesn't help you to have yes men around you, people that are always just telling you how awesome you are and how everything you do is amazing. And that's not helpful. Um, it might feel good to hear it, but at some point you have to recognize it's probably not true that every single thing you're doing is awesome and doesn't need any changes or whatever. I like to have feedback that is uh, constructive criticism that will help me to get better. And so the reason that I was able to obtain these things from these men of God that I met is because I'm at least wise enough that when I get around somebody that has been doing uh, what they've been doing far longer than I have and at a much higher level than I have, I don't want to sit around and tell them all the things I'm doing. Who cares what I'm doing? I'm there. God actually, and I don't believe anything's an accident. God links you up with people on purpose. 
my encounters with those men, I believe that they are important so that I can glean wisdom and understanding from their spirit and their experience. So one of the things that I've done always is that I've always asked questions and had questions prepared to ask if I ever came into contact with mighty men and women of God that have done far more than I have. And one of the things that I always, always ask, this is a standard question that I always ask anybody. I'll say, um, could you tell me, you know, cause usually if they've spent all that time in the ministry and they've changed the world, they're older at that period. Maybe they're 60, maybe they're 70 years old or in their seventies or sixties. And I always ask them this question. I'll say, if you could go back after all you've done and all you've learned, if you could go back and speak to the 30 year old version of yourself, what now, what one or two things would you tell yourself knowing all that you know now, all the lessons you've learned, everything you've received from the Lord, all this time in prayer, all this time serving him, what would you tell the 30-year-old version of yourself? I always ask men and women of God that same question, always. And do you know what's interesting? Is in all the times that I've asked that question to mighty men and women of God, 90-some percent of them have given the same exact answer without even knowing each other. Many of them don't even know each other, but they almost all of them give the exact same answer to me when I ask that question. And I'm going to share that with you today. It's going to be number one. It's going to be world changer secret number one. If you're taking notes, this is interesting because this is, this is uh, by far the most common answer I get to this question. And this is what they say. Now, I've asked this of people in multiple countries, uh, multiple different uh, aspects of ministry, pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets. And this is what they say. If I could go back and speak to the 30-year-old version of myself, what I would tell them is this. Find out what God wants you to do, talking about themselves, find out what God wants me to do specifically and only do that thing for the rest of my life. Now that seems maybe kind of uh, elementary when you listen to it, but let me break it down for you and explain the power of what I just told you that they've been telling me. And if you're taking notes, put it in the comments, put it in your notes Secret number one is discover your purpose and only do that thing for the rest of your life. Don't go outside of your purpose. Don't go outside the boundaries of your calling. Stick to that thing and do it with your whole heart for the rest of your life or until God gives you different instructions. Do that one thing and do it with your whole heart until either the Lord gives you different instructions or until Jesus comes or until you die, do it. And that might seem like, well, that seems pretty elementary, but let me tell you, it is not elementary because many people don't do it. Many people don't do it. And I want to read you a, a verse of scripture that will talk to you about why this is true. Why this is true. 
Turn in your Bible to Psalm 127. I was standing, I remember one of these times, I was walking with a man who has the largest church in the Caribbean, uh, in any island of the Caribbean. He pastors in Jamaica, Port Moore, St. Catherine, Jamaica, and um, his church is called Power of Faith Ministries. His, his name is Dr. Delford Davis, powerful man of God. And uh, God has used him not only to shake Jamaica, but to shake the islands of the Caribbean. He's in his 60s, still pastoring. I was supposed to be with him in April until all the borders were shut down for their convention. And I was walking. I can remember the first day that he said, listen, I'd like to, um, I'd like to have you come over and speak to our prayer and fasting service on Wednesday. Every single Wednesday, the church fasts and prays every Wednesday. And I was staying on the island and he said, I want you to come over and speak to our prayer and fasting service. Well, I drove from Kingston where I was staying out to Port Moore where his church is. I got out of my vehicle. He's got a massive building, massive sanctuary, as well as he owns all these strip malls. And uh, in the strip malls, all these businesses, they, they own and control the businesses. There's travel agencies, all kinds of stuff. And uh, so I pull into the parking lot of the church and I was, I was kind of discouraged, to be honest with you. I looked around and there was like less than 10 vehicles, really, in the parking lot. He's got this huge sanctuary that seats over 4,000 people. And uh, I look around in the parking lot, and there's like less than 10, 10 vehicles there. And I'm like, man, you know, he said, come, if you would, come around, you know, 11.30 a.m. And I'm like, all right. So I show up, get out of my car. There's like less than 10 vehicles. I'm a little discouraged. I'm like, well... You know, I know people don't really like fasting and prayer, so maybe there's not a large crowd that gathers for his prayer and fasting services. I'm totally forgetting that a lot of people walk to church. I get in the room, I walk into the sanctuary, and there's like over 3,000 people sitting in the sanctuary praying, and I mean fervently praying, fervently praying. People are sweating. I find out later They've been there since early in the morning, since like 6 a.m. You know, he told me, yeah, don't come till about 11.30 a.m. They've been there since 6, fasting and praying and pressing in uh, to the presence of the Lord. Hungry to see God change Jamaica and see God change their families and to change uh, the Caribbean. And they're praying. I come in and there's like 3,000 some people that are like, I mean, going after it. And uh, he made me laugh. He said, well, we didn't want you to come at six. We don't want to wear out the preacher. I thought, he's funny. So I come in and the place is, is packed. People are praying. People are fasting. People are pressing into the, to the presence of God. And afterwards, while I was there with him, he took me around. He, he has a television studio where he has his own television channel that broadcasts not only on the island, but to other islands, uh, I believe. And then uh, he's live on his channel. He's got it's power of faith. He's got all these all these different things. He's got the whole property with the strip malls and all the things that he owns there. And we were walking between his properties, his studios. And I said to him, I said, Doctor Delford, I asked him this question: If you could go back and speak to the thirty year old version of yourself, what 
would you tell yourself? And he thought for a moment and he said, I would tell myself, find out what God wants you to do and do only that thing for the rest of your life. Do that thing. Don't deviate. Don't go outside your purpose. Don't go outside your calling. Don't access things that are outside of your anointing. And this verse of scripture came to me, and I want you to mark it down as well. Psalm 127, and let's read verse number one. Psalm 127 and verse number one. Listen, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You see that? So this right here is a principle that every one of us as Christians have to, have to latch on to if we're going to see extreme fruitfulness, blessing, and promotion in our lives. He and many, many others, many, many others that I've spoken to have said the same exact thing. And I'm going to teach you this principle. He said, find that thing, stick to it, be faithful to it. So understanding that if God spoke to you to do a thing, that's the thing he wants you to do. That's the thing he wants you to accomplish. So if he called you to do that thing, why would you go off and try to start doing something else that God never spoke to you to do? It's a waste of your time. Because if the Lord's not building the house, all your work is for nothing, the Bible says. All your work is for nothing. I don't ever want to work and find out that my work was for nothing. You understand what I mean? I don't ever want to be digging in, pressing in, spending money, expending resources, expending strength, time, and then find out my work was for nothing. And the Bible teaches us that if we do something that the Lord's not building, we labor in vain. One of the things that causes people to um, labor in vain truly is pride. And one of the most dangerous uh, forms of this is that people start comparing themselves to other people around them. And so what ends up happening is I start looking at what somebody else is doing that might be kind of in the same arena as me. They're a preacher, they're a minister, they have a ministry. And then I look at what they're doing and think to myself, well, I could do that. I could do that. And then I start attempting to do it when the Lord never told me to do it. And if the Lord didn't tell me to do it, then guess what? I could go do it, but I'd be doing it in my own strength. I'd be doing it in my own power with my own resources. I'd have to spend my, I'd have to raise and spend my own money to do it. God's not going to provide for that. Why? Because God pays only for what he orders. Can you imagine how ridiculous it would be if you went to to dinner at a restaurant and you were sitting there, you ordered your meal, your meal came, you ate it, and then the waitress brought you the bill and said, "Um, I just wanted to let you know that um, there's extra things on your bill, not just your meal, 
but we've put the meal of everybody in your section on your bill. And also six meals you didn't order are also on your bill. You're going to look at that bill and think you're insane. If you think I'm paying for all this stuff, I'm not, I will pay for my meal. I'll pay for what I ordered, but I'm not required to pay for what I didn't order. Do you catch that principle? I'm not required to pay for what I did not order. And in the same way, God is not required to pay for what he didn't order. Unless he's building the house, we're laboring in vain. If we go outside of his instruction, if we go outside of his calling and his purpose, what makes us think that God is required to provide the resources, the provision, the strength, the time, all that? He's not required to do that. He didn't order it. It would just be as crazy as trying to force you to pay for six meals you didn't order as to make God pay for things that you're doing that he never ordered. He will pay for what he ordered. So that's why when people begin to get outside of their purpose and their calling, many people end up burning out. Why do they burn out? I'll tell you why. Because what they do is, They start with what they know to do, and then they begin to do things that they were never called to do. But when they step over that line and get into the things that they wanted to do, now heaven's resources have stopped, and now they have to come up with their own resources, which means God's not providing the extra strength for you to do that. He's not providing the extra wisdom to do that. He's not providing the extra finances to do that. He's not providing the extra passion to do that. You're on your own with that because you decided to do it. You see what I mean? That's why the Bible says the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord when he delights in his way. So people that are that are people of God that want to have their steps ordered of the Lord, they only are ordered by God when we delight in his ways. The moment we stop delighting in his ways, our steps aren't ordered by him. You see what I, you see what I mean by that? We start ordering our own steps because we've stopped respecting and delighting in his ways. See, I need his ways and his thoughts. I need his direction. The moment I say, forget Forget his ways, forget his thoughts. I want to do my own thing. Well, remember Isaiah 55 verses eight and nine. The Lord said, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So the moment I step out of his ways and his thoughts, I am now involved in my ways and my thoughts that are far lower than his ways and his thoughts. And so now I'm providing for myself. I don't ever want to be, ever want to be in that position as not just a minister, as a believer. I don't want to be just doing stuff because I feel like doing it, but God never asked me to do it. And so this is what uh, I've heard him say. Bishop Oyedepo at his church in in, uh, Nigeria has a phenomenal motto that they live by. And uh, the motto is this. 
It is, if God can't give it to me, may I never have it. If God can't take me there, may I never arrive. And if God didn't tell me to do it, may it go undone. You hear those three things. Think about that. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. So I'm not going to strive and toil and scratch to get something that God didn't even give me, nor does he want me to have. If he can't give it to me, may I never have it. But then, if he can't take me to a place, may I never arrive. I don't want to be going places God didn't take me whatsoever. I don't want to be going places that God didn't take me. And then finally, if he didn't tell me to do it, let it go undone. Listen, this is how people burn out in their Christianity, in their ministry. I've said this before. It bears repeating again today. A need doesn't constitute a calling. Put it in the comments once again. A need doesn't constitute a calling. A need doesn't constitute a calling. What do I mean? Well, let me break it down. First of all, there are all kinds of things in the world that need to be done. No question about that. There are all kinds of things in the world that need to be done. I agree with that premise. No doubt about it. I mean, for example, and I use this example, there are children all over the world that are orphans because of the fact their parents have died in war or died of disease, third world nations. I understand that. All kinds of children that are orphans. So now there's a need. We need orphanages to take care of these children and to show them the love of Christ and the power of God. I agree with that. We need orphanages. We need to help those children. However, God has never, ever spoken to me to go and build orphanages through Miracle Word Ministries. I've never heard that from the Lord one time, never once. But I can look around the world and I could see that need. And yes, it could touch my heart and it does touch my heart. And I could say, well, you know what? I need to go and do this. I need to go do something about this. And then I could start spending money. I could start raising money. I could start traveling to those nations and overseeing the building projects. I could do all those things. But remember this, the moment I step out of my actual calling and purpose, my instructions, and I start going and doing something that I was never instructed to do just because I see a need, and it could be good. Listen, it could be a good thing. That's a good thing that I'm talking about. But it's also something I was never asked to do, never called to do. So the moment I begin to do it, guess what? I am now responsible 
for my own resources, for my own strength, for my own peace, for my own joy. You, you see what I'm saying? Because if God didn't order it, he's not paying for it. If God didn't order it, he's not paying for it. And so what happens is people see a need. That's one thing they do. Or they compare themselves with somebody else, which the Bible says, by the way, is unwise. Comparing yourselves among yourselves, you're unwise. Uh, And so I could see a need or I could compare myself with somebody else and what they're doing. And then my pride says, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And then I start doing it. But God never told me to do it. So I start burning up my own strength. Watch. The moment I stop receiving divine strength and anointing to do something and I'm cut off from that power, I have to start generating that own strength and power in my own flesh, which means now I'm not operating in the anointing, I'm operating in my flesh, which that can come to an end quick. And so what happens is people start doing things either out of comparison or out of just seeing a need. And they start burning their own strength, burning their own finances, burning their own wisdom, burning their own joy, burning their own peace. And there's only so much resource in you naturally to use. And so anytime you come up against a roadblock, God's not going to move that roadblock out of the way. He didn't tell you to go that direction. He did not tell you to go that direction. So he's not moving those roadblocks out of the way. He's not making those crooked places straight. Because he's not building that house. So if he's not building it, then his resources aren't committed to it. And I just want to give you a secret. This is how the true world changers change the world and don't burn out. Because they're doing something that the Lord spoke to them to do that he's empowering them to do. Now, when God does, when God does, give you an instruction. Let's say, for example, you were called to build orphanages. Well, let me tell you something. If that's part of your calling and your anointing, you're going to see finances flood in from everywhere. If you understand this this revelation I'm preaching about, obviously there's Christians that don't believe in prosperity and and God's uh, overwhelming blessing. But I'm talking about if you believe the the instructions of the word and the teaching of the word, you're going to start seeing that finance and that resource come in from everywhere. You're going to start seeing people log on to your vision to help you. They're going to jump in and say, hey, I want to come and be a part of what you're doing as we build these orphanages. Your vision is going to go to another level and people will attach themselves to that vision. You'll have resources come in. You'll be filled with new strength for the task. All the things you need to get it done are going to be added to you by the Lord because he asked you to do it. And if he asked you to do it, Let me tell you, you're going to do it with power. You're going to do it with excellence. You're going to do it with victory. Why? Because the Lord is building that house. And if he is building that house, let me tell you something. No one's going to stand in your way if God's building that house. And he is. And so this is such a huge, huge piece of wisdom that I want you to get. Um, Listen to this. I want to... uh, I want to talk to you about a a verse of scripture that'll help you. This is found in Joel chapter two. I love this. When you're doing, when you're running in your 
when you're running inside of your lane, you got to run in your lane. You don't want to be disqualified. Listen to Joel chapter two, blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh. It is nigh at hand. And I'm going to jump down because I want to read you the benefits of people that are running in their lane. Go down to verse um, five. Listen to this. I'll read you a few verses. Let the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains or like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains, they shall leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth stubble as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face, the people shall be much pained. All the faces shall gather blackness. Now listen to verses seven and eight. They shall run like mighty men. This is Joel chapter two. And now I'm reading verses seven and eight. Joel chapter two, verses seven and eight. This is the power of running in your own lane and on your own purpose. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. They shall march everyone in his ways and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they will not be wounded. You see that? They'll not break their ranks. They will run in their own path. And what's the benefit? And even when they fall upon their own sword, they'll not be wounded. So there's divine protection. There's divine care inside staying in your own lane, running in your own path and not breaking rank. When you don't break rank, there's divine protection on what you're doing. And that's one of the things that it's so powerful for people of God to get is that if I will hear the voice of the Lord over my life, discover my purpose and attach myself to it and don't break out of my purpose. Stay on my path, stay in my lane, do what the Lord told me to do. Guess what? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Divine protection is going to come upon you. Divine provision is going to come upon you. Divine joy is going to come upon you. Divine strength is going to come upon you. And you'll be able to accomplish your purpose effectively and efficiently and with excellence. You hear that? How does it come? Through your purpose, through your anointing, staying inside of your anointing. And this is so massive. It's so massive, in fact, that almost every single person I've asked this question to gave me that answer. And they don't even know each other. That's, that's amazing. I was at my great-grandmother's funeral in northern Maine. And an older man of God that's, that has known our family for years, I asked him, and I think I was still a teenager. If I wasn't a teenager, I was only 20. I was 19 or 20. And I said to him, I said, Brother Crandall, what is it that you would go back and tell the 30-year-old version of yourself? And you know what he said? The same thing. He said, seek the face of God and discover what he wants you to do and do that thing. That's what he told me. Seek the face of God and discover what he wants you to do. See, that's the key. 
It's also why many Christians never find the thing God wants them to do is because they're not willing to seek the face of God. Part of the thing that you should be seeking for if that if you're in that position where you just don't know what you should be doing, you don't know which way you should be going, during this time of fasting and prayer, 21 days of fasting and prayer, that's one of the th- things you should be seeking out the most. Lord, reveal to me what my purpose is, what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Show me, Lord. I was reading, and I'm going to give you number two, but let me just say, if you're fasting and praying right now, this is a must purchase and must read book during the fast. Prayer, can you see it? Prayer That Brings Revival by Dr. David Yungicho. Prayer That Brings Revival. This book is powerful. I mean, powerful. You talk about a man who understands <laughs> prayer. Dr. Cho built the largest church in the world with the help of the Holy Spirit, over a million members in Seoul, Korea. Yoido Full Gospel Church. I mean, powerful. I was reading through some of the stuff, and I'm reading it again during this fast. But one of the things that he says is that you've got to learn how to live a life of prayer. He was talking about prioritizing prayer above everything else in your life. This is secret number two from World Changers, by the way. Prioritize prayer above everything else in your life. Prayer should be first. Prayer should be first. Listen to this. I I was listening to him, him talk about this. He was talking about, he, he normally doesn't like to talk about his prayer time because obviously he's a humble man. But he said, for the purposes of this book, I want to give you insight into my prayer life. He said, I usually wake up between 4.30 or 5 in the morning. Of course, when I conducted our early morning prayer meetings at the church, I used to get up earlier. So his people at the church will meet at 5 a.m. and pray for one to two hours every single morning. One to two hours. Then then he said this. Listen, Listen to this. He said, on top of that, on top of his one to two hours in the morning of prayer, he said, before I step into my pulpit to preach, I must spend at least another two hours in prayer. So now, of his waking hours, he has spent at three to four hours in prayer in a day already. One to two hours in the morning, and two hours before he takes the pulpit to preach. Now listen to this. He said, if I go to preach in Japan, as I do three to four times a year, I must spend a minimum of three to five hours in prayer. Since I preach in the Japanese language, I'm well aware of the great spiritual opposition that's kept back revival from Japan. Many don't realize it, but Japan has never had a revival. One out of 120 million, uh, or out of 120 million Japanese people, there are only 1.2 million Christians. And he said, so I'll, I'll pray three to five hours before each time he preaches in Japan. Listen, when I minister in America, I don't find the same spiritual opposition that I find in Japan, so I can afford to spend only two hours in prayer before preaching. 
Now this, this, he said, and in Europe, I spend two to three hours in concentrated prayer before each time he speaks. Listen to this though. He wrote this next in the next paragraph, which was so convicting. And I want you to hear it. I've had pastors and evangelists ask me how they can experience the same growth in their church as we're accustomed to in Korea. Yet, after meetings, they go out to eat and spend many hours in fellowship. In the morning, they are too tired to pray. Having experienced this all over the world for many years, I decided to write this book. I hope that men and women of God will get serious enough about revival to get serious about their prayer life. Think about that. He said, in Korea, we so prioritize prayer in the morning that we go to bed early so that we have strength to get up and pray. That's from Prayer That Brings Revival by Dr. David Youngie Cho. And he said, we go to bed so that we're ready for prayer in the morning. And they pray one to two hours every morning. That's why I'm telling you, if you're going to fast and pray, if you're not going to pray for at least an hour a day, you might as well eat something because you're not pressing into prayer like we're talking about. And this is not something to bring some kind of condemnation. This is biblical prayer. This is what they did in the New Testament. The Christians fasted two days a week in the early church for centuries afterwards. They were praying at least, they had an hour of prayer every day. Jesus didn't seem to think an hour was a long time. Prayed through the night. Recently, my friend, Pastor Brian Wright, who's on the board of Miracle Word Ministries, was in Nigeria. And he actually had the opportunity to meet with Pastor Enoch Adeboye. And he asked this question that I ask. And Pastor Adeboye said this, which shook me up again. He said, no preacher should ever take the pulpit to preach without praying in the Holy Ghost, talking about praying in tongues, for at least an hour. Now, can you see how these things are lining up together? Men like Dr. Cho, men like Pastor Adeboye, men like uh, Bishop Oyedepo, all these men around the world that have shaken nations, shaken nations. I mean, if you don't, if you don't understand that they have, you've not looked close enough at their stories. They've shaken nations, completely shaken them, turned them on their ear. Do you know before Pastor Adeboye and Pastor Oyedepo uh, started ministering really in, in uh, Nigeria, Nigeria was mainly a Muslim nation. Now there are so many Christians in Nigeria that they're sending missionaries around the world like America used to. And when they have Holy Ghost gatherings, they're having 4 million people gather in a building, 4 million largest gatherings that have ever been had for any reason on the earth in the history of the world. What's happened? People that have dedicated themselves to prayer and fasting and the word are seeing their nation shaken. Is there still opposition? Absolutely. Are there still attacks from the enemy? Yes, but they are seeing conversions at an unprecedented rate. And what's their advice? Only do what God tells you and pray and prioritize prayer. Do you realize that Pastor Adeboye, and, and listen, turn that redeemed Christian church of God upside down. I mean, 
When he took it over, there were like 160 churches in the denomination. Now they have uh, churches in like a hundred and something nations of the world. In America, almost every place I go, in Canada, within that city somewhere, there's a redeemed Christian Church of God church pastored by his pastors. I mean, think about that. Touching the world. And until he was 70 years old, you talk about being serious about shaking a nation. Until he was 70, and he's like 73 or 74 now. Until he was 70, he did three 40-day fasts every year and prayed at night from midnight to six in the morning. Think about that. And basically told his church, this is the way we move forward. Dedicated prayer, dedicated fasting, seeking the face of God, and we'll see the victory. And they have. And they have. Dr. Cho, seeing the victory. And he has. How? Dedicated fasting and prayer. Do you know how Bishop David Oyedepo's church blew up in in, uh, Nigeria? He was in a place where he was very frustrated with the size of his church. And he was still pastoring like five to 6,000 people every Sunday in the building. In America, people would be so happy with that. We have about 6,000 on Sunday morning. People would be so happy. He was so dissatisfied with it that he fasted and prayed until his body had wasted away to nothing. His wife actually told him, if you don't eat something, you're going to die. His response to her, I would rather die than pastor a church this small. That was his response. But then he traveled to Korea and met with Dr. Cho and was mentored about how to pray, how to pray for revival, how to pray for your church growth, how to pray for your nation. And it was when he came back from Korea, having those meetings with Dr. Cho, that his prayer life was revitalized and he understood how to pray for growth and the power of God hit his church. And now, uh, He pastors that church and has a a church that seats 55,000, 40,000 outside in tents and has five to six Sunday morning services preaching to over half a million people every Sunday. Now they're building a 100,000 seat sanctuary. I mean, saw that growth explode. What's the key of world changers? Dedicated prayer included with fasting. Obviously you can't fast every day of your life. But there should be times like Christians did in the in the early church. They fasted 2 days a week. I believe many of us could fast 1 day a week. You know, one of the things that my uncle Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth has done for years is led the church in 3 days of prayer and fasting every month. And if you think about it, if you fast and pray for 3 days a month, Every month, that's 36 days, that is giving God a tithe of your year in fasting and prayer. 36 days of the 365 spent in fasting and prayer. That's something everybody could do. Everybody. And think about it. If you fasted one day a week, that's four days a month. That's 48 days a year you fasted and prayed. Not to mention what we do at the beginning of the year and things like we're doing now in the middle of the year, 21 days. And so think about it. It's very easy if people would get hungry, and that's the key. In fact, Bishop says that, or uh, uh, Pastor Cho says that, 
in his book at the very beginning. In his introduction, he talks about the fact everyone knows they should pray, but the key is getting people hungry enough to pray. And you know what, you know what I really believe the key is, is, and it shouldn't have to be this way, but many times people wait until there is some sort of a crisis in their nation or in their life or in their family that drives them to pray. We shouldn't have to wait for a crisis to drive us into prayer. We should be able to have an eternal mindset that can look around the world and see there are many who don't know Christ, many in my city, and I want God to use me to reach them before it's too late. Jesus is coming soon. And just our hunger to see people changed by the power of God should give us that desire and hunger to pray. I mean, I don't know how any of us can look at our lives and be totally happy with where we are currently and think there's no more. I mean, I don't think anybody watching my broadcast or listening to the podcast today looks at your life right now and thinks this is the pinnacle of life. There's nowhere to go from here. I mean, I don't think anybody watching me or listening to me right now has that thought about your life that you can't go any further than where you are that this is the best your life's ever going to be. God can't do any more through you than what he's done already. I don't think anyone thinks that. And you shouldn't think that. Because when you belong to the body of Christ, that the the story is never ending increase until Jesus comes. God can always do more with you than what he's done now. God can always take you further than where you've gone to this point. I want to encourage you with this phrase that maybe you've heard me say before that my grandfather, who pastored for 62 years, said, he, he used to say this phrase, I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. In fact, every person that's watching me, I want you to write that in the comments section. I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. Put that in the comments. Because I'll, I'll break it down and explain what it means. It means I'm not unhappy. Obviously, I'm thankful about what God has done in my life. Hey, Lynn, obviously, I'm thankful with where he's brought me from. But at the same time, I know he's not done with me yet. At the same time, I understand that there's more that God's going to do through and in me. And so the reason I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction is because although I'm thankful from about where I've come from and how far I've come to this point and what he's done in my life, I'm also not going to stay here. I'm not going to stay here. This is not the end of my life. This is not the end of your life. This is not the pinnacle of your life. These are not your best days. Your best days are ahead of you. I don't care how good it is right now. I don't care how blessed you are right now. This isn't the end. As long as you've got breath in your lungs and a Bible in your hand and a desire to serve the Lord, there is never ending increase available to you until Jesus comes or until you die. This is not the end of your life. Be satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. You understand what I mean? Be satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. 
And so what I want you to know is you're not staying where you are. You're going higher. And one of the ways that you do that constantly is through prayer. And at times through fasting and prayer, through fasting and prayer. So I want to encourage you fasting and prayer. I showed you this last night on the broadcast. When you pray and when you fast and pray, it gives you the ability to release the power of God that's within you. If you're a Christian, see, it's pointless for us, and this has not been taught as much as it it should have been through the years. So let me teach it to you now because people have a misconception and then they pray for the wrong things. So let let me give you something to help you. You don't ever need to pray ever again for God to give you a greater anointing. Don't ever, I know that sounds weird. And I know you've not been taught that. Many people haven't. You don't ever need to pray for a greater anointing. There is no greater anointing. You're already anointed with the greatest anointing. How do I know that? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Romans 8, 11, the Bible says, if that spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he quickens your mortal body. Let me ask you a question, those of you that are watching, and I want you to answer in the comments. What power is greater than the Holy Spirit? Please answer that question for me. What power is greater than the Holy Spirit? I'm waiting for your answer. What power? That's exactly right, DJ. None. No other power. There's no power that's greater. That was Romans 8, 11, Kayla. There's no power that's greater than the Holy Ghost. Every believer is indwelt by the Holy Ghost. Every single believer. And then many believers are baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. Subsequent experience. They speak in tongues. But check this out. There is no greater anointing than the Holy Spirit. So if we knelt down at an altar and, and, and folded our hands and said, God, just I pray in Jesus' name, give me a greater anointing. Give me a greater anointing. And they may do it in a proper, a right spirit, a right heart. They just don't know. Here's the question. How is God going to answer that prayer? He's already given you the Holy Ghost, who is the greatest power on the earth, in the universe, the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God. It's his own spirit that he's put in you. (laughs) There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. And so don't ever pray, Lord, give me a greater anointing. There's no greater anointing than what you have. You've got it. In fact, if you're watching, just in case you've never thought like this, put it in the comments. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. You have the greatest anointing that there is. There is no greater anointing than what you have. This is why Jesus rebuked his disciples because he had already anointed them to do the same works he'd done. When they didn't do them, he said, you faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? When did he rebuke them? Well, when they were on the boat and they woke him up instead of calming the storm themselves, he rebuked them then. 
when they brought, as I, as I read to you last night, when they brought that boy who was possessed with a demon in Mark chapter nine, and the parents said, your disciples couldn't cast the demon out. He rebuked them. And then when he, when he, after rebuking them, he told them why they couldn't cast it out. Two reasons. First of all, he said, because of your unbelief, Matthew 17, your unbelief is why don't your faith is not at the right level. But then he said, also this kind of demon doesn't come out except through prayer. And some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. So two things, greater prayer and greater faith. Now, those are two things you can grow in. You don't need a greater anointing, okay? So let me break this down. You don't need a greater anointing. What you need is greater prayer and greater faith. You can grow in those two things. You can grow in prayer and you can grow in faith. Faith has levels. Faith has levels. You heard Jesus say to some people, in fact, to his disciples in one passage, how is it that you have no faith? In other places, you heard Jesus say, oh, ye of little faith. In other passages, like Matthew 8, he said to the centurion soldier, I've not seen faith this great in all of Israel. So there's no faith. There's little faith and there's great faith and we should grow in faith. So faith and growing in faith allows you to operate in greater measures of power. Why? Because it allows you to release that anointing that's in your body, in your life. And according to Jesus, prayer also does that. He said this kind of demon doesn't come out, Mark chapter 9, except by prayer. Some translations, prayer and fasting. So Jesus was actually teaching that if you are not dedicated in prayer, guess what happens? There are certain spiritual attacks you can't overcome. That blows people's minds but I want to say it because it's true. There are certain attacks that you can't overcome if you refuse to be a person of prayer. But if you dedicate yourself to a life of prayer, nothing can destroy you. Nothing can take you out. You see that in the life of Jesus. You see it in the life of Paul. If you live a life of dedicated prayer, no weapon formed against you can prosper. That's why, listen, that's why these things aren't automatic and you see so many believers at different levels of Christianity. Some are riding high. Some seem like they go from struggle to struggle, crisis to crisis. It's because not every believer is at the same level of dedication in the kingdom. Many believers don't pray, many. I told you last night, the the statistics show the average believer prays for less than five minutes a day. That's nothing. It's not even close to enough. That's right, Chanel. She's quoting E.M. Bounds. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. The average believer does not pray. 
And we have to, if we're going to be the remnant of powerful believers on the earth that see change take place and see revival come, we have to be people of prayer. Have to be. Have to be. We have to be. And that's what I'm telling you. Jesus taught it that unless you're a person of prayer, don't expect demons to flee from you. I'll tell you another thing. He told them in Matthew 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, watch and pray. What were they doing? Sleeping. He had to wake them up. He said, watch and pray that you may not give in or fall on the day of temptation. So don't think you're going to live free from sin if you refuse to pray. Prayer gives you the ability to live free from sin. It empowers you to stay free from temptation. Amen. So number one, I love you, Terry. Number one, it's important you catch this. Number one is this. Only do what God's told you to do and don't go outside it. Number two is a life of dedicated prayer and fasting throughout your life. Number three, I'll give you this final one plus the bonus. The third one is this. Don't ever allow yourself to quit. Ever. Ever. If the devil can get you to quit. See, one of the reasons people quit is because they burn out. And I already told you one of the main reasons people burn out is because they're doing things they were never anointed or called to do. If you don't do that, if you don't make that mistake, it'll help you from not ever quitting. Another reason people quit is because they're, they've, they've, they have no spiritual virtue. They have no spiritual um, <clears throat> fortitude or, or, or passion or drive. That comes because they don't pray and they don't pray in the Holy Ghost. Paul taught, let me go there with you real quick. 1 Corinthians 14. Man, I can't wait for you guys to get a copy of this Spirit-Filled Believer's Guide on speaking in tongues that I'm writing. It's going to help people. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love, this is verse 1, and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. One who speaks in tongues speaks not unto men but unto God, for no one understands him. He he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now look at verse 4. The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. So there's a spiritual edification that comes when you pray in tongues. Jude verse 20 says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So it builds up your faith and it builds up you. You understand? There's a spiritual edification that comes. You're stirring yourself up when you pray in the Holy Ghost. One of the reasons people burn out and become devoid of power, devoid of passion, devoid of drive, they don't pray. They don't pray. And you can tell a person who doesn't pray. You can tell a person who doesn't carry that kind of passion or desire or hunger on the inside of them. They, they just, I've been around them. I, can, I know who they are. I can feel it. I can see it. It's easy to discern. We've got to pray. If we're not going to quit, don't grow weary in well-doing. If we're not going to quit, we have to be people of prayer. It's how Jesus didn't quit. It's how he kept on going. Imagine facing a crucifixion and you knew you were facing it. Your flesh doesn't want to face it. How did Jesus build himself up to the place where he could face it? Prayer. 
went into the garden of Gethsemane and prayed for hours and said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, let, let your will be done. Prayed, prayed so intensely that it looked as great drops of blood fell off of his face and head. Prayer was the thing that built him up enough that he could go through the crucifixion. If we don't pray, we'll lose our drive, we'll lose our passion, we'll lose our hunger, we'll lose our power, we'll lose the promises of God if we don't pray. Demons don't listen to you. Attacks keep coming against you and you find yourself in a place of weakness where you can't win. And then people get burnt out and then they say, well, I thought God was more powerful than that. I thought God would protect me. We're not even doing what he's asking us to do. Pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. That's why we're going through this time of 21 days of fasting and prayer. It's time to reignite yourself for what's going to happen in these last six months of the year. It's going to blow us to a new level. I'm going to fly in Jesus' name. My life, my ministry, my business, that's what you need to declare. We're going to be on cloud nine. I'm going to fly above my enemies in Jesus' name. Fly above every attack in Jesus' name. My family will be saved. My finances will be blessed. My body will be healed. My marriage will be put back together. It's going to happen for us in Jesus' name. And then finally, I'll give you the bonus. I heard uh, Brother Copeland say this. As you read the word of God, whatever you find in that word, make up your mind to obey it. Don't debate with God about what portions of his word you'll obey and which ones you won't. Well, I read about tithing, but I'm not going to quite tithe yet. If you read about it, if you understand it, tithe, give. If you know what you're supposed to be doing, you read it in the word, do it. Praise him, pray, witness. If you find it in the word, don't debate it, just do it. We obey what we find in the word of God. This is going to help you, man. I'm telling you, we're going to go to another level. We will not lose. We will not lose. We can only win. We can only win. Put it in the comments. We can only win. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. We can only win. We can only win. We will not lose. We will not lose. We can only win. Thank you, Jesus. We can only win. It's going to be our story in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's right. Put it in the comments. Father, I pray for your people today in the wonderful name of Jesus. Lord, I pray you'd stir them up with a new hunger and a new boldness. As Paul prayed, he said to the church in Ephesus, he said, pray for me that boldness would be granted unto me. I pray that for the people watching and listening today. Let boldness be granted unto them in Jesus' name. I pray that today a new fire of the Holy Ghost would come upon every one of them, a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost, a fresh fire of God come upon your people today. Give us a hunger and a desire to pray and to seek your face like we never have in Jesus' name. We have to have a hunger, Lord. Give us that desire, Lord, to seek you in prayer, to seek you in fasting. Let us press in with a new desire like we've never had to see the final six months of this year be the greatest six months we've ever had in the wonderful name of Jesus. We cannot lose. We always win. There's no weapon formed against us that can prosper. I pray for people watching today that are battling in their physical body. I curse sickness and disease. I take authority over it and command it to lose 
loose its grip upon them in Jesus' name. By the power of God, be free, be made whole in the wonderful name of Jesus. I pray for those that their minds are being attacked with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. I curse those attacks of the enemy in Jesus' name. I lose joy and I lose peace in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let our relationships be healed. Let children come back into the kingdom. Husbands and wives come back together in the wonderful name of Jesus. Use our hands to heal the sick. Use our mouths to preach the word and give us a mighty fire that burns so bright that people can feel it wherever wherever we go. Sinners feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and begin to feel that draw towards Jesus Christ. Open doors of opportunity for us in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for it. We give you praise. We give you glory in the wonderful name that's above every name. And if you believe it today, throw some fire in the comments section and let me know you're standing with me and that you believe these things are coming to pass quickly in Jesus' wonderful name. And I'm believing with you and declaring with you. It's going to be the best six months we've ever had in the history of our Christian lives in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It is done. It is done. Hallelujah. It is done. I feel the anointing, man. It is done. God's doing it. God's doing it. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to sow a seed. Do it by faith. The Lord's speaking to you. I know some of you, the Lord's speaking right now to sow largely. I had somebody come up to me uh, as I was traveling and said, you said that on the broadcast and the Lord has continually blessed me and blessed me and my business has gone to a new level. I've been promoted multiple times. God has increased me. And I knew that when you said that I was one of the people that was supposed to be sowing largely, like you said on the broadcast, and they sowed a $2,000 seed. There's been many people sowing like that. Maybe you're watching today and the Lord's speaking to you in that, in that way. Now's the time to do it. Step out by faith and believe God for increase in these final six months of 2020. Those of you that are watching, do something that the Lord is speaking to you today, whatever it might be. Maybe he's speaking to you to sow $100, $500, whatever it is. Step out by faith and sow that seed. Um, I'll say it this way. No matter where you are in the world, you can go to miracleword.com and sow a seed right on the website. If you're in the United States, you can always go and use Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, hashtag donate. Praise God, Kim. Promotion in Jesus' name. That's awesome. Thank God. No matter how you do it, step out by faith and sow that seed the Lord is speaking to you to sow today. I want to encourage you to partner with this ministry on a monthly basis. You can do that on the website. You can click the partner button or the give button, fill out the form, and set up a monthly seed that you'd like to sow. Whatever it is the Lord's telling you to do, $50 a month, $85 a month, $100 a month, set it up and believe God that this is going to be the greatest year you've ever seen. What are you doing practically to see God move in your finances? See, because we can't pray for increase. You, you don't pray for increase. You sow seeds that bring the increase. I can't pray that God will bless your finances. It doesn't work that way. You sow seeds and seeds bring the harvest. So take a minute and do whatever the Lord's telling you to do. This month of July, for every person that sows and is partnering with us at $85 or more this month and every month, we're going to send you this 
powerful book by Dr. John Avanzini entitled Rich God, Poor God. He takes us through the Word of God and proves that it would be impossible for our Savior Jesus Christ to be poor. He was not a pauper. He was not poor. He was not cursed. He was blessed. And this book will open your eyes to why not only was Jesus blessed, but you can be blessed as well financially. That's our gift to those of you that are partnering with us in the month of July. Uh, The website again is miracleword.com. That's where you can sow your seed from anywhere in the world. Suzanne, God bless you. And of course, all the other digital avenues are on the screen as well. And if you'd like to receive that offer and you're partnering with us this month at $85 or more, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And you can sign up there to receive that. Helps us because many times if you use Cash App or Venmo, PayPal, we don't have your mailing address, but we want to have your address so that we can send that book to you as our gift to say thank you. If you are sewing largely, I want you to know what we're still doing is we have this hardcover with a dust jacket edition of the brand new book, Further Faster, and we're sending this to you as our gift to you. I'm going to sign it to you and your family. We're sending you that along with the Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible as our way to say thank you for sewing $1,000 or more to push the gospel forward before it's too late. We love you and we appreciate you very much. Hey, Ken. Yeah, that's another thing. Ken and others have been telling me they're not getting uh, their notifications on Facebook. Do me a favor and check your Facebook to see. Go to go to our page, Miracle Word Ministries. Go to it and see if the notifications are still set to on for the live broadcast. Because people have been telling me we're not getting the notifications. Um, so check it and make sure you're still getting because I'm getting texts. People are saying that. I don't know why they're turning them off or what's going on, but I have been getting that message. And then let me make make an announcement one more time. Today, in just a few hours, really, about three hours, Carolyn is doing this session today through Friday on a common sense guide to homeschooling. Anybody that's even thought about homeschooling your children, especially with all that's going on, I want to encourage you, encourage you, don't miss these sessions. They'll be live right here on this Facebook page, our YouTube channel, this Periscope and Twitter uh, account, just the same as the morning broadcasts. We're coming back today at 3 p.m. And she's going to be doing this series. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be phenomenal. And then, of course, tonight, we're back with you again at 9 p.m. to build your faith all this week, 1030, 3 p.m., 9 p.m. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. Thank you, Lenann, for sowing that seed. She said, I emptied my coffer. God bless you. We love you guys so much and appreciate you standing with this ministry. We love you a lot. Starting next week, my, I'm joining my father in York, Pennsylvania. The tent is going back up in York, and um, we're going to see souls saved and people healed and changed by the power of God. And uh, if you're anywhere close and can get to that tent meeting, it's going to be powerful. So let me encourage you. The, the information's all on the website. You can go check it out and get it. Come join us. We had a great meeting uh, in uh, Moorefield, West Virginia. Now it's going up in York, Pennsylvania, and uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great, and I want to en- encourage you to, to uh, join us. <laughs> Kay Gardner. 
apparently has an issue with Donald Trump that she's making very plain in the Facebook comments. <laughs> Kay Gardner, either your account has been hacked or you are raging against Donald Trump in the Facebook comments. Uproar is going to be great. Clifton Park in October. It's going to be awesome. We've got a great fall and uh, winter plan. I can't wait to see you guys on the road. It's going to be a great year. I love you so much. We'll see you in just a few hours. Right back here for Carolyn's session on homeschooling tonight at 9. Have a great day. God bless you. We'll talk to you very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.